excited to be here this morning. Anybody? Great. It is so good to see you here. I, I tell you, I've got to tell you, I'm excited this morning, and it's not just because we're here to gather and, and worship together. I love that part. I tell you that all the time. I love coming together with our faith family, but uh, at the end of the service today, we have an opportunity to ordain another one in our church, and I love ordination because ordination is a time for the church to come together and to affirm somebody's calling, to affirm what God's doing in their life, and to just lay hands on them and prepare them for the future that God has called them to. And so today we have an opportunity to do that. Uh, in, in a little while, we're going to be uh, just ordaining uh, a day Oni, who has been with us for a long time now, about 12, 13 years. He's been a part of our, our ministry, and uh, God has called him to ministry, and so we're going to have that privilege at the end of the service. But this morning, we're going to be talking about the gospel and multiplication. And I want to invite you this morning to go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look today at verses 11 through 15 out of Ephesians chapter 4. And I love this passage. In fact, uh, the first two verses of this passage, verses 11 and 12, are sort of what I look at as sort of uh, my life verses or my life scripture because it just challenges, I think, me as a pastor and as a leader uh, in, in, the, in the church to to make sure that I'm doing what God has called me to do. And, and he lays it right out right here for the, the, the Christian leader, for the, for the spiritual leaders of, of any ministry or the body of Christ God has given us. Um, we have the responsibility of, uh, of really shepherding people and teaching people uh, the way God would have us to teach. And so these first two verses of this passage are very important to me. Um, but uh, I want to just sort of start off here this morning by saying, you know, over the last few weeks, we've been looking a lot at what it means to live a life of resolve, and that's, uh, that's important. Uh, we talked about how resolve is, is, is sort of making this decision to live out our life with purpose, and no doubt when you look in Scripture, you see that God and His Word teaches us to live a life of purpose and intentionality. Uh, as believers in Christ. We, uh, we are not just saved and we're sitting here waiting for eternity to come along. No, we are called to live this life of resolve, to live a life of purpose. So we've been talking about that. We started out in the first message talking about the purpose of redemption and how important it is to be saved and to, to be redeemed by the power and the blood of Christ Jesus. We talked about the purpose of the church and how that focuses or points to a life of worship, and we looked at how, as believers and uh, followers, we are to, to worship in spirit and in truth. And then last week, we were looking at uh, the issue of community. But here's the thing about all three of those messages, that in those messages, we were looking at really how that relates to us as individuals. And so we were sort of doing this self-evaluation. We were looking into our life and looking into our heart and saying, okay, how does this apply to me? What is the purpose of my redemption? What is the purpose of, 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 of me as a, a part of the body of Christ Jesus? And we know that, that God's word challenges us so often in that way. But today, we're gonna make a little bit of a shift in that the message is gonna challenge us as a church to think about how God brings the body of believers together for a purpose that's greater than any individual and that as he brings people together, a very diverse group of people, uh, a very uh, diverse group of skills or giftings that he gives to people, 
as he brings this group of people together, he has a great purpose and a plan for that. So we're going to be looking at this. Um, and, I, and I love what happens when, when God brings people together to carry out his will and his plan and his unique vision. I love just seeing that thing in action, that thing working together, this, this thing that we call the local church. I love just watching it uh, go forth. And I love to see how God's plan for the church is one of multiplication, how God challenges us as believers and followers of Christ to, to always be advancing the gospel. And as we advance the gospel, he advances his kingdom and he grows his kingdom. And we see how discipleship plays in and evangelism plays in and teaching and, and, and just serving one another. All this plays in together. And so I just love that and I love the, 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 the fact that we... Uh, can just I, I get a view every Sunday that you don't get. I get to stand right here and just look out at you guys. And I'll tell you, it's a beautiful thing, okay? It's a beautiful thing uh, to be able to look out and just see how God is bringing so many of us together. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be talking about, um, I want to invite you to stand with me this morning as we read through Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 15. We stand together in, in unity. We stand together to honor what Christ has done in our life, and we stand together because God's word is the authority in which we stand uh, on as we live our life as believers. And so we'll stand together today and we'll read Ephesians 4, starting with verse 11, then we will pray. So Paul's writing to the Ephesians, a church that he was very much uh, a part of just uh, pouring into and, 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 and leading and he writes these words. He says, and he, meaning God, he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness in deceitful schemes rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ let's pray together Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, God, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have to gather in this place, to worship together as a faith family, Lord, to come and just honor you and to, to glorify your name and to just rejoice in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we gather in this room today to just worship together as worshipers in spirit and in truth, and God, we come today also to just hear from you. God, we pray that as we as we listen with hearts that are open, I pray, Father, that we would be attentive to the, to the word that you have for us. And God, if today is a day of encouragement for us, then let us be encouraged. And if today is a day of conviction, then let us be convicted. But God, I pray that as, as we read through your word and we look at these uh, truths and we, we just see what it is that you would have us to see, I pray, Father, that today that our hearts would be stirred and our souls would be encouraged by your presence and your power in our life. I pray, Father, that as we look into your word today, that, God, we would just be able to worship Jesus 
in a fresh and new way. We love you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated here this morning. You know, when, when Jesus began his ministry, uh, we see that the very first thing he did was he called his disciples. We see in the Gospel of Matthew that, that Jesus goes out and he is at the onset of launching his ministry and as he goes out, he begins to call disciples unto himself. And he does this differently for different ones. Uh, some of them were together when he called them, but, but for the most part, uh, Jesus, he called these disciples to, to come and sort of throw down what they were doing and follow him. And, and so that's what they did in obedience. They surrendered to that. They gave into that. They left their families behind in many cases. They left their occupations. They left everything that they were doing to follow this man named Jesus. And so Jesus begins to walk the earth. He begins to, to go from village to village, and he is beginning to launch this ministry in which he is, he is doing. And, and as they follow, they have this unique opportunity to observe and to watch. And, and immediately Jesus, it says in the scriptures, that he begins to heal the sick. And, and no doubt as he's doing this, they would see the power of God working through this guy named Jesus, and they would see just the supernaturalness of who he was, and, and they would be uh, wild. In fact, the scriptures say over and over and over that the disciples were amazed, or they were just sort of blown away by the works of Christ, and just by the very nature of who this guy was. And so, as they're following him, they're seeing the work of Christ in their life, and, and they're seeing the purpose of why Jesus may want to call them, and and, and he begins to go out and proclaim the gospel. And no doubt they're learning this as well as they follow Jesus. He is, he is proclaiming the gospel. And so as he goes out, he's, he's no doubt leading by example. He's taking his disciples out. and He's beginning to spread the good news of the hope that is found in him. And it says in Matthew that he goes up on this mountain one day and he, 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 he gets to this place that the disciples have been following him and They've sort of gathered around him, and as they do, he, it says in the Scriptures that the crowds are also there, so it's not just these 12 men, it's many others that have gathered, and no doubt he's drawing attention because of everything that he's doing. And as he sits down, the Scripture says that Jesus literally opened his mouth, and he began to proclaim the good news, or he began to proclaim the truth. And so there were those who were there, and they were listening, and they were hearing, and they were they were learning, and he begins to march through what we have come to know as the Sermon on the Mound. And so here we have Jesus proclaiming this, and if you want to go and read this, it's in Matthew 5 and verse 6. But right in the middle of this, right at the end of chapter 5 in Matthew's gospel, we see something really interesting. Jesus sort of makes this shocking proclamation or this shocking statement. He I no doubt would have gotten their attention. Every time I read it, it gets my attention. But what we see here is that Jesus, he, he, he's teaching them all these things, and then all of a sudden, he says this. He says, you therefore must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. I want you to think about that statement for a moment, how challenging that is to us to to hear the words as Christ followers. And, and as the disciples were gathered around, they, they, they no doubt probably looked at each other and said, did he say perfect? <laughs> uh, did, did, I mean, 
does he mean perfect the way we understand perfect or does he have another way of defining perfect? I mean, he needs to sort of explain a little bit of what he's talking about here, but this is what Jesus says. He says, you therefore shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I, I think one of the reasons why this is so shocking for us or so challenging to us is when we hear it, we immediately begin to realize how far from perfect we are. I know as believers and followers of Christ, every one of us has a past. In fact, the scriptures tell us that we are new in our creation. We are new in Christ Jesus, but we all remember our past, don't we? We remember our, our past failures. We remember our past sins. And so it's really hard sometimes when you start thinking about being perfect because there's no doubt in our mind that we would look at Christ as being perfect, but as he challenges us to live our life in that way, it's, it's one of those things where you think, man, I'm not sure if that's possible. But we need to understand that the Bible is very clear that there's different ways that it describes perfect. I'm not saying that there's different definitions for the word perfect. I think Jesus means exactly what he's saying when he says, therefore, you shall be perfect like your Father in heaven is perfect. But there's many different ways that the scriptures teach us about perfection. You see, one of the things that we begin to realize is that the Bible teaches a lot about a positional perfection. And what this is, is it means that simply that, that because Christ is perfect and he has saved us in his perfection, that we are made perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, that's important that we understand that last part, which is in Christ Jesus. We know that outside of a relationship with Jesus, we are unrighteous, that we are with, uh, we, we are with great blame and with great fault and with sin in our life, but, but being saved by the power and the blood of Jesus, we are made what? Righteous, not because of our righteousness, there is none, but by the righteousness of Christ Jesus. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says this, for by a single offering... He perfected for all time those who were being sanctified. He says, for by a single offering, he, meaning Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. I want you to grasp what's being said here. The, the scriptures are teaching us that we have been made perfect in Christ Jesus by this one offering of him going to the cross and his blood being spilled and him dying the death on the cross, being buried in a tomb only to be raised from the grave in three days, this offering, this sacrifice that he is making because of this one offering, he has perfected for all time. So there's this word perfection. He says for all time, meaning past, present, and future, including all time, and then he says this, he says, those who are being sanctified. So we know he's talking about those who are redeemed because those are the ones, redemption is the first step towards sanctifying. We know that when we are saved by the power and the grace and the blood of Christ Jesus, that, that we are now in Christ Jesus and that we, by the Holy Spirit, are being sanctified, we are being grown, we are being matured by the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within us. And so we are being sanctified. He's speaking to those who are redeemed. And so in this way, there's this positional perfection 
that the Bible talks about. The Bible also talks about an ultimate perfection, which as we think about ultimate perfection, this is probably how most of us think about perfection, and that one day we will be made perfect. The Bible talks about that. Talking about when we get to heaven, there's a word that is often used by theologians that is the word glorification, that when we stand in the presence of God as, as a redeemed uh, follower of Christ Jesus, we are welcomed into his presence. There's this whole, you know, well done, good and faithful servant, and we are glorified, okay? So we are made perfect. And so there's this ultimate or future perfection that the Bible also speaks about. But there's also this striving perfection that the Bible speaks about. This striving perfection. Whereas the believer or the follower, as he's living his life, he should be striving for perfection like Christ. In other words, Christ has set the example of perfection. He is righteous in all of his ways. He is holy. He is perfect. And so as a believer and follower of Christ Jesus, we don't just continue to live our life wallowing in the sin that he has saved us from, but rather we are continually trying to die of self and we are pursuing the things of God. We are pursuing the righteousness of Christ. We are pursuing the perfections of Christ. So there's a striving perfection that the Bible talks about. So these are some ways that the Bible presents perfection to us. But the reason I bring this up is because according to our passage, God has a strategy or a process that he speaks into throughout Scripture. This process that believers or followers are engaged in. For every person that comes to know Christ Jesus, they are entering into this, this pathway, if you will, of maturing as a believer or follower of Jesus. And so we are being sanctified. We are we are growing, we are maturing, we are, no, we are not to, to stay as mere infants of the gospel, but we are to grow and to, to mature as believers, ultimately carrying out the vision and the purpose that God has in store for us as the redeemed. And so we see this in Scripture, we understand this, and we, we begin to see this in our text as we look at it. And here's the plan that God proposes, and I love this. God has this remarkable ability to bring people together that look differently from one another. He has this remarkable ability to bring these group of people together that act differently than one another. He has this remarkable ability to bring people together who are gifted differently from one another. You know, we were talking about in the first service, I was talking about, man, if you're hoping that I will get up here and lead you in worship, I, I'll probably run everyone off from this church. I, I don't have the gift of music in my bones. I don't have the ability to sing. I sit down here and I sing very silently with my heart, okay? I just want you to know, you won't hear me. In fact, when I put my mic on, I stop altogether because I have this, this fear that there's gonna be this hot mic situation where I'm just gonna belt it out and you're gonna hear it and everybody's gonna look over there like, my goodness, Pastor David, you need to hush your mouth, you know? That's terrible. And so I have this sort of fear that something like that will happen. I don't have the gift of music. I don't have the gift of singing. But there are those who do. Amen? Praise God. Uh, you know, we, we all have different gifts. But God has this remarkable ability of bringing a very diverse group of people 
from the youngest to the oldest. He brings all these different people together and he brings them together so that they not only are living in their own individuality, but they're also living for a purpose that is greater than themselves together as they carry out God's plan. And something remarkable begins to happen. People begin to grow. People begin to uh, be transformed in who they used to be. Their lives are no longer the same and they live out their life and through discipleship and through worshiping together and through community and fellowship and all the different things that exist in the local church, people's lives just get turned upside down and I love that because it's all for the glory of God. And so I want us to look here this morning at the scripture starting in verse 11 it starts off and it says this it says and he gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the shepherds and teachers look at this verse 12 to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ now one of the first things that we see is that this is the process of God's plan the process of God's plan let, let me just be real clear that nothing that we do here in the way of evangelism or, you know, vision or whatever it is that God's calling us to do is something that we believe is a good idea on our part. No, we, we want to get it right. We want to we do what it is that God wants us to do. And what we see is that this idea of, this, this, this idea of, of, of community, this idea of people coming together and, 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 and discipling other people is all a part of God's plan. It says here in the first part of this verse, it says, and he gave these people to the church, right? So we must never forget that, that it is God who is responsible for bringing people to the church who have the skill set and the gifts to be able to communicate the gospel and continue to, to teach and preach and shepherd the people of God, so that the saints would be equipped for ministry and that this would result in the building up of the body of Christ. And so we see this process begin to come together as, as God's plan gives way to his purpose, and that is bringing people into the church to make disciples. I love this. I, I remember the very beginning days of of planning Cross Point Church, and me and my wife Linnell, we were, uh, you know, we had two daughters, and we had taken this step of faith, and we were going to plant this church. And I'll, I'll just be honest with you: one of the greatest fears that a church planner has is this: Will anybody join him in that work? Right? I mean, you know, I, I didn't know in, in stepping out and planting a church if I would be preaching to Linnell and my two daughters for the rest of my life. I just, I just didn't know, and. You know, and I, I don't know that she really wanted to listen to me alone for that long, for the rest of our life. But, but we begin to pray and we begin to say, okay, God, bring us some people to help us accomplish the, the plans that you have for this church. And, and, and right away, some people started joining this, what I call a movement of God, as people started surrendering to this. But, but we started having a, a core group develop, but we were still looking for those spiritual leaders, those people that would... It would grow up and be nurtured in their own faith and ultimately surrender to a calling that God had placed on their life. In other words, we were looking for a leadership team, people that were capable of discipleship. And I remember one day this mutual friend of mine, he introduced me to this guy named Jason Van Nuss. Some of you know Jason. 
Jason's got a real heart for discipleship. He's got a real heart for God's word. And he wants to take people deep in God's word. And right away, I recognized that this, this young man, he had, a, he had a heart for this. And, and he had a calling placed on his life. He, he said, I feel as though God is calling me to, to be a part of this work. And to not just be a part, but to pour into uh, the people who come to this church. And, and so Jason was tasked with being our first a college pastor and he began to go out on the campus and he began to reach people on the campus and he began to to really make disciples of these people and and it wasn't long that we had others who began to follow this this young lady named Janetta she came along and then one day this guy named JT he came along and you may know them as well they were a part of our church in the early days they were both in the band but there was a heart there for making disciples there was a heart there for pouring into other individuals and there was also a calling that was beginning to to well up and, and and God was moving in their life and they began to not just come and soak in whatever was there to be offered but they were willing to pour out what God was doing in their life it wasn't long before Michael Buffalo another guy that you guys know came and became a part of our church and so all around us, we begin to see people coming to the church, but God was also adding leaders to this work. And so it's very important that we understand as we look at this that this wasn't because of my fantastic recruiting powers, okay? It was because God was wanting to do something incredible. God was wanting to do something incredible in the life of those whom he was gathering, but he was also wanting to do something incredible in this community. And the result of what we have seen God do is that this church has continued to grow and people are continuing to give their life to Jesus and continuing to be baptized and continuing to surrender to ministry. And it's just so encouraging to know that that is God's plan and that we're a part of it. And so here we see this where, where he said we, we see the process of God's plan as it, as it sort of takes shape with God giving these spiritual leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The second thing we notice here is really the product of God's plan, the product of God's plan. So here's what happens. God, he gathers all these people together, right? And he gives, he gives them to the life of the church. He, he, he gives them to the church that they would go there for and make disciples that they would pour into and disciple these that are coming to know Jesus. But what is the end goal? What is the... What is the end product of what God's plan includes? What we see here is that as God gathers, their plan, the, the product is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And so we read this in verse 11, excuse me, verse 12, where he says, equip the saints to do the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So there's an addition and no doubt a multiplication that has taken place because of these that God is bringing together for the life of the church. And so we begin to see the advancement of the gospel. We begin to see the advancement of God's kingdom as people are added to the church day by day. And so we see this remarkable movement of God that has taken place and really beginning to happen. But look at this in verse 13. He says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to what? Here's the end goal, to spiritual maturity. That we would grow and mature in our faith. God's desire is not for you 
to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and to sit on this earth waiting for eternity to come. God's plan for your life is that you would grow and mature as a believer and a follower of Christ Jesus, that you would be used for his glory, for his kingdom, and that it would be something that just blesses your heart beyond measure. And so this is what we see here. The work is to grow people to maturity. I I love that he points out two indicators of spiritual maturity. This is two indicators here. He says, first of all, the unity of the faith. In other words, unity is is one of the themes that, that flows all throughout the Bible. And so as believers and followers of Christ Jesus, we are to fight for unity within the walls of the church. And so he points out a unity of the faith. And then the second thing that he points out here is a knowledge of the Son of God. Your understanding of God, your understanding of Christ, your understanding of him as your Savior should be growing every single day. You know, there, it, it's amazing when you read through the Gospels, you see that the, the disciples were amazed at Christ all the time. You just go and underline all the times you see the word amazed where the disciples are watching or witnessing what Christ is doing. I mean, they're blown away by Jesus. And so I believe that as believers and followers of Christ Jesus, every single day should be a day where as we read through the scriptures, as we spend time in prayer, we should never lose sight of Christ Jesus. In fact, we should be captivated by our Savior. Captivated by our Savior. And so here we see where the scriptures are showing us what it is that we are to be doing. Here's the last part of what we see in this passage. It is the purpose of God's plan. And I love this in verse 14, just a few short words here. It says, so that we may no longer be children. So that we may no longer be children. Again, an indicator, a responsibility to do our part in maturing. Now, let me just say this. We know that the Holy Spirit is the one who sanctifies, who grows us. But we are to to invest the time and the intentionality and in learning more about Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and we turn to those who have been given to the church that are discipling us. We are to be discipled. We are to be discipled by those in the church that are spiritually more mature than we are. And as followers of Christ Jesus, as maturing disciples, we are to be discipling as well and so this is what the scripture is talking about i love what we see here in colossians 2 8 it says see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental uh, elemental spirits of the world and not according to christ in other words don't don't fall to the myths of the world the worldliness that the world offers but rather understand who Christ is growing in that and learning in that and and giving into that and embracing that the maturity of a believer and so God has given us a great reason to exist collectively right God's given us a purpose to 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 carry out our life together to ensure that people are growing up and so for us one of the greatest wins comes when we are able to see people come to a place where No longer are they just simply volunteering in the church, but they're saying to themselves and to their church, 
I want to give my life to ministry because I believe God has called me to this place. And I love those stories. I love to see when God is doing that kind of work in a person's life. You know, the gospel really is very simple when you look at it. I mean, it's, it's really amazing how it sort of takes place. There were those in our life who were willing to be faithful, to share the gospel with us, to share the hope of Christ with us, that we may hear the gospel and receive the gospel. Maya, aren't you glad somebody shared the gospel with you one day? Amen. Uh, Josh, you? Kinda, sort of? Yeah, okay. But we, we as believers, as followers, we should be thankful for those that were willing and faithful to share the good news with us that we could come to know Christ and that we could be encouraged by the presence of Jesus in our life. But then at the same time, here's what the gospel says, that we are to take what we have received and we are to pass that along to someone else, that we are to also go there for making disciples. We are to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We are to go out and share the good news of Jesus because he has done something so remarkable in our life so that those people can now, as disciples, become disciple makers themselves. And so the process goes on and on and on. We are sitting here today unified in Christ Jesus because there was these few men that Jesus himself led called disciples who were faithful after Jesus ascended into heaven to say, okay, guys, let's get to work. And they shared the gospel. And people came to know Jesus. And those people shared Jesus. And those people shared Jesus until one day somebody shared Jesus with you. That's why we're sitting here. He gave, as a gift to the church, Christian leadership, that that leadership would give back to the church and that people would grow in their faith, that they would mature in their faith, and that those people would be given as gifts to the church to give back to others, and the process continues on and on and on. I love those stories of how that happens in people's life. And I remember the very first day I met a day only. I remember the day like it was yesterday. And it was really remarkable. There was this guy named John Kinzer who was a part of our church. Most of you don't know him. He was a college student. When he graduated, he moved away. And, uh, and, and so I think he's living up in North Georgia somewhere now. But, but John was a, he, he, a few of us know him, and he, he was a funny guy. I mean, he was... He was sort of, had this magnetic personality and everybody wanted to be around him and he was just a nut. I don't know how else to say it. He was just crazy and he was fun and so he was one of the, sort of the original college students started coming to our church and, and, and one day I, I, I went by and I picked up John and we were gonna go out to lunch and just have lunch together and we were, we were leaving the campus and we were making our way down this sort of side street and all of a sudden he says, stop, 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 stop. He, he just you know, I hit the brakes, I don't know what's going on, but there's this big guy, I mean this muscular guy, this huge guy, this guy that makes me look like real tiny, you know, this big old, big biceps, and he's, he's wearing this tight shirt and these athletic shorts, and he's riding a bicycle. Now, this guy is so big, right? And I'm talking about a day, but this guy is so big, he looks like he's on one of these little toy bikes, right? You know, he's pedaling like this, you know? 
I mean, he's just such a big guy. Do they even make a bicycle big enough for this guy? But I see this guy, and here he's coming down the road, and John's leaning over in front of me. Stop the car. And so I slam on brakes, and so a day comes, he says, a day, a day, a day. And a day pulls in right next to my window, which is down. I'm like, I don't know this guy, you know. And so here he is. He sort of leans into the car, right? Big old guy. He's just blocking the sun. He's so big, right? And so he sort of leans into the into the window there, and he's like, what's up, John? He sticks his hand all the way through my car, shakes hands with John, you know. John's like, hey, man, what's happening? And I'm just kind of leaning back. I took the reclining in the chair and just laid back so they could talk, you know. And so they're talking and everything. And he finally introduces me to a day, and I meet him and, and everything. And then, well, we have to go, and the day has to get to, I think he was going to pump iron or something, you know, something that was really necessary in his life. And, and so he, he leaves, and he heads on, we go, and and I'll never forget what John said about a day. As we drive off, John says, you know, God's really doing something in that guy's life. I said, really? He goes, yeah, man, God is, God is stirring his heart. God's got big plans for that guy. And I said, really? I said, yeah, tell me about it. He tells me a little bit about it, how he's met uh, a day and how they've kind of connected. And he says, man, I, I've invited him to church. I, I hope he'll come. And and eventually a day did come to Cross Point and, and he came and he was a part of our church and he'd been a part and, and right away some other people in our church started pouring into him. Jason Van Nuss was one who, who began to disciple him and others throughout the church began to disciple him and pour into him. But you know what's really remarkable about that is as a day grew and as he, as he you know, as he's just grown in his faith and, and he just got more and more mature, he learned more about who God was, to, living this life of, of just surrender, he began to pour into other people. And I love that. And he began to pour into this person and this person. And finally, he's, he's the guy with the magnetic personality that has this unique opportunity to, to, to just share the gospel with so many people. And so we've had this remarkable privilege of just seeing God do this work in this man's life. And he's just one of many, but here's what's so unique about a day in Janetta, which by the way, that girl that played on the band who became somebody in our staff, and he ended up marrying her, you know, and so that's what happens there sometimes when you bring community together, but, but anyway, they ended up getting married, had children here and everything, but I'll tell you what's really amazing is how God, as he completes the story, he calls these people that he's doing this great work in to surrender their life in the same way he went up to a group of fishermen. Jesus went up to a group of fishermen and says, throw down your nets. From now on, you're going to be fishers of men. And he calls these men into ministry in that same way he's called a day into ministry. And today, we have the remarkable opportunity and privilege and honor to ordain this man into the gospel message of service to Jesus. So today, I want to invite you to come on up here today, and uh, I've asked him to come up here and just share a few minutes on his heart. Now, in the first service, I think he shared for about 87 minutes, so, uh, but anyway. I got the mic now. I know, so, you yeah. got the mic. See how little I look next to that guy? So. Well, and I, I want to be clear that the main motivation that brought me to Crosspoint and to coming to the college ministry was that they offered free pizza. I was... Broke college student. It was part of my budget. I had like 200 bucks to last me like, you know, a month. So I was like, if I came to the point, 
I might go home pizza. with a box of pizza. So, so you're saying if we want to grow a church, that's the ticket. Free pizza. That's the okay. ticket. Free All right, food. I got you. Free food. Hold on to that one. But um, Pastor David, thank you. Crosspoint Church, my family, uh, my brothers and sisters, um, just everyone here, just, uh, just such an honor to be up here. It really is. And uh, I couldn't help but reflect on <laughs> the journey that it's been for me. And uh, I came to know Christ my sophomore year of college. Um, I, was, I went to Valdosta State, and uh, I guess it was just kind of weird how God works, but through a flag football team, uh, he drew me to himself. Uh, the Wesley Foundation happened to be practicing. They happened to see me on the front lawn, and they're like, hey, come play flag football with us. I was like, sure. If I had known how bad they were, I would have never done it. <laughs> I would have never done it. Uh, it was awful. It was awful. I felt like I had to play everything. But, um, you know, at the end of it, though, at the end of that game, which to show you that uh, God is more important than flag football, football. but uh, at the end of it, one of the guys invited me to their service. It was called Pursuit. And I had no idea what Pursuit was, had no idea what the Wesley Foundation was, but just because those people took time to interact with me and to love on me, I was like, sure, I trust them, I'll go. I went, and I was broken. And <laughs> by the end of that service, I'm just in tears. I'm talking to David Scott, who's the campus pastor um, at the time uh, for the Wesley Foundation. And I was like, what do I do with this? Like, I, it won't go away. <laughs> like, I can't shake it off. It won't go away. And he's like, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? I don't know about all that now. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Um, but he's like, you need Jesus in your heart. So that night, I, I tried to leave. I tried to shake it off. It was still with me. Um, I went home to my apartment at Blanton Commons. Then, yeah. Um, it was brand new then. But uh, <laughs> I went home to my apartment at Bland Commons. It's just a super bachelor pad. Janetta knows about uh, how some of that goes. But um, to my perfectly clean apartment in <laughs> Bland Commons. And um, I couldn't shake it. Uh, so I ended up on my knees on my armchair. And I, I remember saying something along the lines of, God, I don't know how this works. I don't know the words. I don't know if I'm saying it right, but I just need you. I, I, I can't do this. I know that um, you're the difference maker. You have the power to bring my life. You have, you have the power to give me new life. And from that moment on, God has just turned my life around from um, David Scott pouring into me, like Pastor Dave was saying, those intentional men that came alongside me, David Scott, C.J. Harp, um, Jason Van Ness pouring into me, Pastor David pouring into me, uh, Spence Parkinson, just those guys that uh, took time to invest in me. And that, man, that changed my life. You know, and there's some things that um, held true then that still hold true now and that still draw me to worship um, and surrender. Uh, the first thing was that I realized that I didn't need to have the answers anymore because I now knew someone that had them. I didn't need to have the five-year plan and everything figured out, especially when you feel that pressure in college, um, because I now know someone that knows my heart better than I do and has laid out a path for me. I didn't have to fight for power, prestige, or fame, because I now knew someone to hold the world in his palm of his hand. I didn't have to hide my hurts or my pain, because I now knew the healer.
you know, I didn't have to hide my shame and act like everything was okay because I now knew someone that was proud of me and called me his own. Those things that held me captive, those addictions, those habits, those, those things in our past that seem to define us, that we can't shake from those chains that hold us captive, I now knew someone that held the key. I didn't have to pay for it. I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to work for it. There was no prerequisites. I was even joking. Uh, I didn't have the credit score for it. <laughs> um, man, it just took that moment of surrender. It was forever changed. You know, there's only one name that can restore. There's only one name that can redeem. There's only one name that can repair the pain of this world and make us new. There's only one name that can bring us from death to life, and that name is Jesus. Amen. And simple question, do you know him? Do you know him? If you don't know him, I'd, I'd, I plead you to respond in faith. I plead you to respond in faith. Uh, you can be right where you are, or you can come up down, uh, come down to this altar during this last song. Sometimes kneeling, uh, physically kneeling, uh, reflects the position of our heart, the posture of our heart. That's what you know the altar is for. Um, if you don't know, respond. If you, I know, if you're like me and you kind of had that uncomfortable kind of swelling in your chest and it just wouldn't go away, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. Come on down. God, for those of you who already know Jesus, God, just, man, I pray you worship. Respond in faith. If there's anything that's holding you down, I pray that you cast those aside. Make this morning your morning. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry, you, you gave me the mic. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. That's all right. It's all good, brother. Hey, um, today's a big day for you today. In just a moment, we're going to have you come down and sit. And our pastor's going to lay hands on you, and we're just going to pray for you and affirm your calling and just prepare you for, for full-time ministry. And this is a huge step. I'm so proud of you and Janetta for just taking that step uh, of faith. I know what it feels like, and it's scary, but you know Jesus, right? You know Jesus. But uh, I'm going to read one last passage here today because I think it's important that we... Uh, that we do this last piece, and this last piece is a charge to a day. So I'm reading this more to you a day than I am to the church because I think it's important. You know, the Apostle Paul, when he was, when he was writing to Timothy, who was a young preacher, he was a young pastor, and he was mentoring Timothy, and he, he often would write words of instruction to Timothy. But in 2 Timothy, in the, in the second letter that he was writing to him, he, he actually wrote a, a charge to Timothy, and I believe that this is a charge that every one of us as pastors should not only hear, but embrace and believe and trust. And so I want to say this to you today. I want to read this to you, but I want to I charge you with these same words that the Apostle Paul charged Timothy with years ago. He was writing to Timothy, and he says this. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. He says in verse 2, preach the word, 
I don't have to worry about that. I just heard him preach the gospel just a few minutes ago. Amen? Amen. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort, and with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have twitching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off in myths. A day we live in a world today where people are just abandoning the gospel for the things of the world. And it's our job as pastors to continue to preach the truth of God's word. And that's what Paul's saying to Timothy. His final words are this. He says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. I'm going to invite you, if you will, to just come on down here and have a seat. And I want to invite our pastors, if they will, to come on down. Our pastors met with a day uh, last week, and we had an ordination council, and we, we vetted uh, a day. We spent time with him for several hours just really making sure this was something that he uh, was, was wanting to do and felt called to do. And we, today, by coming and laying hands on him today, we affirm this decision. Janetta, if you will, join your husband up here. What an amazing opportunity it is for you two together to to just be a part of this process, and I pray that this will be a day that y'all remember for the rest of your life. I'm going to ask Jason Van Nuss, who is our teaching pastor and has been one of our, I guess, our first pastor here besides myself uh, in this church. He poured into a day, and, and uh, I'm going to ask if he will to pray for a day this morning, and then we're going to celebrate with our last song. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, today is a, an event. This is, this is not the genesis of, of a day's faith. This is the, uh, the inauguration of a new event, the inauguration of, of a, a life surrendered to you. And that is special on so many different levels. I know that it is no doubt special for Jeanette, as she sees her husband, her man, the father of her children, being strong enough to surrender, being strong enough to walk a path where there may be some uncertainty, as, as a day so articulately said, but he doesn't have to know the path because he knows the one who lays it out. It's a special day for our church as we can see the fruit of all of our effort, the fruit of our volunteering, the fruit of our ministry, the fruit of life groups and discipleship. We can see that fruit coming in, in the promise of Scripture in John 15 where Jesus says, I will appoint you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. What a beautiful day for our church as we see a day in Janetta leading their family. They stand as the remaining fruit of our efforts and our labor and the gospel. It is a special day for personally me, but everybody else who is poured into a day, he makes it easy. He's teachable, and he loves you. 
I can't actually even remember a difficult time in that process. It's always willing to respond obediently to scripture, even when it doesn't make sense to emotion or flesh. It's truly a special day for those who've done that, but God is a special day also for the, the people where he's going because they are getting an amazing man of God. I'm excited for them and all that you're going to do through him and in him in that community. I pray that you would go before him and prepare that community for just the havoc that he is going to wreak in your name. That he is going to come with the gospel and with passion and he's going to transcend culture and boundaries of any type with his very dynamic personality and the weapon of the scriptures which he yields very, very precisely. But God, it is also a special day for you. Because in a world and a generation and culture where you see your people living often in rebellion, living often in disobedience, as we say, shaking our fists in your face in defiance and rebellion, you see a man of faith respond and submit to a life of serving you as a vocation. Adain knows that the day he professed his faith, he surrendered to serving you. Now he's saying that is going to be his primary vocation. It is his call in life to make disciples. I'm so honored to be here on this inaugural event presenting him to our church as the fruit of their efforts and knowing that when he leaves our efforts will be multiplied as he takes the gospel to a different community to a different church and we know he will do it faithfully you are such an amazing God to see this has always been your plan to reach your people discipleship making disciples and both Adai and Janetta have that vision bless them Father make their way prosperous for the sake of the gospel for the sake of your glory because that's what all this is for nothing but your glory we love you and are so blessed to be able to serve in your plan for redemption we love you and ask this in Christ's name